The following podcast is brought to you by Out the House Productions. And welcome to the We Make Florida podcast. Glad you guys came back for another episode. And on today's episode, we are talking about voting rights. Mom, if you're listening, I just want to let you know now there's going to be some cuss words because I get really animated, really hot, really testy, but passionate, particularly when I'm discussing voting rights. So whoever's listening out there that doesn't like cuss words, sorry, but... I promise you I won't get crazy and it will be informative at the same time. But part of it is going to be just a frustrated rant. I'm willing to own that. I'm willing to say the things that are on my mind as it pertains to moving into 2022 and voting rights being on the line. And I want to put quotes on that because in my view, voting rights has always been a tenuous situation, particularly for certain communities. And so this, for me, is not new. This, for the country, is not new, even though some political elites are now treating it as if something crazy and existential is happening. Well, actually, no, this has been going on for a little bit. So we'll get there. But first, we're going to start with the history of voting. You know, I frequently hear how our founding fathers would not even recognize this country. Hell no, they wouldn't recognize this country. Well, of course they wouldn't recognize it. I mean... They literally revolted against the British, came to the New World, which, by the way, was not quite new because there were already people here, settled indigenous communities that were flourishing and had populated the New World for millennia. So that's that. So the world wasn't new. But anyway, they came over here and these settlers in their infinite wisdom decided that they were going to create the exact same system that they revolted against. The only difference was, is that it was a system that privileged them over other people. You see, they didn't like the way they were being treated by the monarchy. And so the dukes and the duchesses and the kings and the queens all had the power and the peasants had no power. So what happened? The peasants revolted came to the new world and established a system where the peasants had the power and everybody else below them didn't have any power. And that includes women, that includes indigenous people, that includes immigrants, that includes non-property owners, that includes people throughout history who, if your grandfather didn't vote, you couldn't vote, i.e. the grandfather clause. And what frustrates me more than anything else is this rewriting of history as if we are the greatest and best democracy on the planet and our founding fathers were bestowed upon us by God. No, they were rich, male, wealthy, privileged, and they wanted to create a society that maintained the rich, male, wealthy status quo. That's what it was. But another thing that frustrates me is that This idea that these were just the times and we really shouldn't be judging people back then using today's standards, that's bullshit. Because when you actually look at the history of our founding fathers, of which there were many, there weren't just like four or five, there were several founding fathers when you look at who signed the Declaration of Independence. There were many. And a lot of those founding fathers actually did not believe that we should be 
holding people in bondage and having slavery be the law of the land. A portion of our founding fathers did not agree that only white male property owners should have the right to vote. There were some founding fathers that wasn't down with that shit. The difference is, is that the ones that were down with it won the argument of the time. But this idea that everybody was just in that time, that's just what everybody did. And we shouldn't be judging those people based on, you know, current standards because those were just the times. And, you know, that's just the way it was. That's bullshit. There were people at that time. You can go to the Federalist Papers. You can go to the writings. You can actually look this stuff up, that there were founding fathers. There was an entire coalition of people who thought all the things that were being done, particularly to marginalized communities of that time, that shit wasn't right. And there were people who wrote about it at the time that it wasn't right. The difference is the people who wrote about it and who thought it wasn't right didn't win the argument. The ones who wanted to keep people in bondage, the ones who wanted to keep women from voting and out of the political process and in the homes, those were the people who won the argument of the time. That's just, that is literally what they wanted. That's what they wanted. It, it wasn't like that is how it just was at the time. No, it was created that way by the people who were in power at the time. And as we progress throughout history, what we will notice is that it wasn't that the country just moved to a better place and they just realized that what they were doing just wasn't right by everyday Americans. Hell no, that ain't how it worked either. People died to bring this country forward and to make it live up to the ideals that it said it wanted to live up to, to make sure that the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights was a true reflection of what the country is. Because for a very long time, we're talking up until the 1960s and 70s, it wasn't until then that this country really, truly got to the point of at least giving access to the ballot for all of its citizens. So that ain't that long ago. Whether you're from Palm Beach or the Panhandle, all students deserve schools that inspire imagination, cultivate creativity, and ensure that they can live fulfilling and healthy lives. But today, self-interested politicians like Ron DeSantis and the corporate lobbyists funding him pit our communities against each other based on what we look like, where we come from, how we worship, and what schools we go to, all in an attempt to make us believe that we can't have all that we need to keep our families safe. But we know better, and by joining together across racial differences, we can elect leaders who will put our children first and not pit parents against teachers. Together, we have the power to demand that leaders do right by our children, regardless of where they live. And we're making Florida a place where all of our students have what they need to thrive. We can make Florida a place that honors all families, no exceptions. And in 2022, we need your voice with us as a voter to do just that. Now we have progressed over time. I'm not denying that. I'm actually glad we have gotten to better places in our nation as the years have gone by. But the idea that the nation just came together in this beautiful 
you know, arc of the moral universe bending towards justice, that ain't the way it's gone down. Those are the stories we like to tell each other for the purposes of making ourselves feel good when it comes to America. But people died for the right to vote. The convention at Seneca Falls where women came together to say enough is enough. You all are making decisions that affect our lives. We deserve a voice in this process. That was not like something that just came as the moral arc of the universe recognized that women should be allowed to participate in our democracy. No, that was women dying for the right to vote. And when we get into the civil rights movement, we're really talking about the literal hanging of women and men for the right to vote. So people died for this right. People died for the sole purpose of seeing this nation materialize into what the founding fathers said that they wanted when they revolted against the British. Let's just be clear. They did not create what they said they wanted. It has been marginalized communities from the founding of this nation that has dragged this country kicking and screaming towards its ideals. So that brings me to what the politicians are doing now. What we have seen, at least since I've been voting, and I've been a voter for 20 years now, but the things that I'm seeing certain politicians kicking and screaming about when it comes to citizens having equal and unfettered access to the ballot baffles me. And it shocks me because after the passage of the Voting Rights Act and the subsequent reauthorizations of the Voting Rights Act, it wasn't like all the voting rights lawyers disappeared because their work had been done. It wasn't like all the voting rights advocates suddenly moved on to other issues because the work was done. Those people in those positions advocating on the behalf of marginalized communities, poor communities, communities of color, disabled communities, elderly communities, they were still working. They still had full plates to tackle in the voter rights space. You know, I heard Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, talking about how ridiculous it was that people are having to wait four, five, and six hours in long lines just to be able to cast a vote. And I'm like, that ain't nothing new, man. I've been a voter for 20 years, and I have been hearing stories and had experiences of waiting in long lines to vote. Right here in Florida, in New York, and in New Orleans. These are the three places that I've voted, and I have had the experience of waiting in long lines. Not all the time, but it had certainly happened. So this is not a 2022 issue. And so it's very frustrating, particularly for the people who are in the voting rights space, and I don't consider myself one of those people. Let me just be clear. I don't. But I certainly read books by people who live in the voting rights space. When you look at the history of this nation, when you read the texts of lawyers and voting rights advocates, what you will find is that there has always been people who have tried to disenfranchise the marginalized. There have always been people who have tried to limit access to the ballot. And there has always been a set of advocates who have fought through the court system 
afford the opportunity to expand the unfettered access of the ballot to the American people. I mean, think about it. Let me give you some examples. If you're 80 years old and you live in an area where to cast a ballot, you have to stand in line for four hours. I mean, come on, particularly because elections are in November in certain parts of the country. In November, it's cold. And so to have to stand outside in the cold as an 80-year-old for four hours just to be able to vote is ridiculous. So, okay, so there are other options to vote then. Well, one of the ways that you can vote is to vote from home. You get a mail-in ballot mailed to your house at your request, and you can vote from home and mail it back in. But what we saw, particularly in the last election, that they are even questioning the validity of a ballot that was mailed to people's homes. So how do we navigate this? How is it that we make certain areas of the state difficult to vote, make you wait in long lines, so we give you another option to vote if you don't want to wait in the long lines, you can vote from home, but then we cast doubt on the validity of your ballot when you vote from home, or we shorten the amount of time for you to get that ballot back to the supervisor of elections. Before, it used to be two weeks. Sometimes it's shortened to one week. Sometimes it's shortened to a few days. Sometimes the supervisor of elections even forgets to send the ballot out. So you have to make multiple requests. So there's just a bunch of stuff that goes into how hard it is in some communities to vote without barriers. And what I will add to this is simply that there are certain portions of the political class on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, there are certain portions, particularly of the economic elite, who have completely ignored that this has been going on for decades. On the Democratic side, which is the side I believe is fighting for equal unfettered access to the ballot, you have to recognize that corporate Democrats didn't really care about voting rights until the realization started setting in that voter suppressive efforts are so ramped up in 2021, 2022, that there may be possibilities in certain jurisdictions, in certain districts, in certain states, that Democrats can't even win free and fair elections because of the huge voter suppressive efforts that have been initiated in these states. And so when there was a time where Democrats could win elections despite the voter suppression, the, despite the disenfranchisement of voters, when they could still see a path to victory and a path to power, it was okay for those things to transpire. But now that it's like, oh shit, we may not even be able to ever win an election again in this democracy because the voter suppression has gone into overdrive. Oh, now we care. Whereas communities of color, disabled communities, elderly retired communities, all these communities have been trying to advocate for unfettered, unobstructed access to the ballot for decades and have gone with their words being unheard by the people in power. Now, I'm not saying that's all politicians. Of course I'm not. There are some politicians who have always cared about voting, about voter rights. There are those out there, but have they really gotten the airtime? They've really been speaking into a vacuum. 
And so it comes off as slightly disingenuous to me that now all of a sudden, all these senators and all these House of Representative Congress people are suddenly concerned about voting rights, particularly on a Democrat side. They're suddenly worried about voting rights and they're so concerned and it is the number one agenda. It should have been the number one damn agenda from the beginning. It really should have because what kind of democracy is this if we don't have free and fair elections? Now, what we have done is we have figured out a path to out-organize, to overanalyze ways to get people to the polls so that they can cast their ballot and make their voice be heard electorally. But now... Voting rights activists are like, we cannot out-organize this at this point. It's more than just voter intimidation. It's more than just voter suppression. They are, at a certain level, basically gerrymandering districts to the point that only one person could possibly win. <laughs> it is becoming an apartheid state at this point. And now... 11 months before the midterm elections, people want to get into gear. Well, you just may recognize that you're late to the party. Now, we're not letting Republicans off the hook. The Lisa Murkowskis, the Susan Collins, the Mitt Romneys, the Marco Rubios, the Rick Scotts, they should be on board with voting rights, particularly because the Voting Rights Act has been reauthorized numerous times by bipartisan support by multiple presidents, both Democrat and Republican presidents, have reauthorized the Voting Rights Act. And so this was not controversial until like two seconds ago. But that being said, I want to also not let certain politicians off the hook. I personally believe that at this point, the Democrats are the party of democracy and so they have the responsibility of acting in a way that promotes democratic values across the country. And the Republicans need to get on board because the gods to honest truth of it all, the people in power are going to try on black folk what they plan to do to everybody else. That's the way it works. What they really want to do to everybody else, they try on black folk first to see how the nation will respond. How this nation will respond when it sees a segment of its population disenfranchised, discriminated against, and how our nation responds to that is the barometer for how far these corrupt political rats will go. Pay attention, people. It is very imperative that you keep your antennas up because they come in for your rights next. Everybody walking around thinking everything is good because you know what? I'm good, so everything is all good. But trust and believe they it may be a black neighborhood today, it may be a disabled community tomorrow, it may be a veterans community the next week, it may be the elderly population the month after that. And so we got to wake up because we're not going to have a democracy going forward if we continue on this trajectory of division and exclusion. We've got to unite. And that's what I'm going to leave you all with today.
We've got to stand unified against the powerful. We've got to have a clear understanding of the divide and conquer strategy that is being implemented against every single one of us. They are trying to divide us in order to distract from what they're really doing, which is to hoard power amongst a small group of people while we all lay prey to their anarchy and to their agony. So look at your neighbors. Make sure you become a voter. Make sure you exercise your right to vote. And also make sure that you fight for other people's right to vote. Because if you notice, crazy-ass Trump said, find the votes to give me Georgia. He didn't say count the votes. There's a big difference. I believe in counting and recounting and counting as many times as you need to count to make sure that the results that are reported to the American people is accurate. I support that. But that's not what Trump was asking for. He wasn't saying count the votes. He was saying find the votes. Find enough votes so that I can win. And baby, when we got people saying that, particularly United States presidents, talking about finding votes so that they win the election, uh uh-uh. We're talking about third world authoritarianism at this point. We can't have that in America. That ain't America no more. And so we're going to have to fight for what America should be and make the decision if we want to be a multiracial, multicultural democracy, which is certainly possible, or if we want to go backwards. And I don't think anybody wants to go backwards. I think we want to go forwards. So I'll leave you all with that. This was a little special, short rant on voting rights. Wish you all a happy and prosperous and safe week. Bye-bye for now.